Eve Latema, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Leadership Series podcast today. Um, you're the former Prime Minister of, of Belgium, a, a senator uh, in the government, and you've been talking and comparing the different systems of government in relation to the performance of the economies. You've looked at the Rhineland model, the Anglo-Saxon model, and the Scandinavian model. Can I ask why? Well, I think we, we have to take in, uh, a whole series of measures to save our banks, to uh, do what, uh, what we had to do because the interests of the people are at stake, to strengthen our economies, to uh, uh, stimulate demand. Uh, but as far as uh, the, the next months and years are concerned, I think we have to rethink, to remodel our economies. And then it's, uh, it's good to see what the models are now which are uh, in place and what the results were, the, what the uh, performances are of the different models. And um, I compared the performances of the Anglo-Saxon economies, uh, the neoliberal capitalism, which is uh, present in the United States, for partly in the United, United Kingdom, Australia, I compared these performances with uh, the performances of the so-called Rhineland economies, the Rhineland economies being the uh, German economy, the Benelux economies, the uh, Swiss, uh, Austrian, and also the Scandinavian economies. And uh, I compared them with, uh, uh, on the basis of their performance in the field of economic growth through the last 20 years, the uh, situation on the labor market, the uh, uh, the distribution of welfare, the um, uh, equity in, uh, in, um, in, in the population, the uh, energy saving, the uh, uh, ecological uh, performances, um, and that gives a, a result, a result, a conclusion that is that the Rhineland economy is taking into account the fact that, um, yes, government has to play a role in the economy, but it uh, doesn't have to dominate the economy like it was the case in the central-led uh, Eastern and Middle European economies and Central European economies until the beginning of the 90s. And on the other hand, on the other side, yes, the free market economy is the best way, the most efficient way to organize our societies. And so uh, starting from these two elements, I think we have to improve our uh, economic models and we have to take measures to prevent what happened uh, during the last years. Because what you did at the beginning was, was draw the similarities mm -hmm. uh, of what all of these economies were experiencing during this current recession and depression. And you began by saying you, you thought it was as serious as the 1930s. And, and that actually, um, in, in terms of the Anglo-Saxon economies, uh, the European economies had acted quickly to stem the problems in their banks. Well, I think the big difference is that uh, the Bush administration... Um, through the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers, uh, in fact, make a, made a big mistake. I think it was based on a kind of doctrinary approach of uh, what, ha what was happening. And so it was a kind of approach of, uh, well, uh, there is a failure, let's, let's uh, see the failure, the bankruptcy, and, uh, well, that's all about uh, uh, market economy. The, the European leaders, the European governments, have saved their banks, the systemic banks in Europe, the banks that... Uh, really are at the basis of the economic development of uh, all the uh, European economies and the several member states of the European Union. The governments have saved these banks, and so they have prevented a meltdown of uh, the European economies. And that's different. Well, then, why do you, do you think the Anglo-Saxon model isn't a good model for running an economy? Well, I think it has a lot of good elements. Uh, the free market system is very good. Uh, also, there is a, the scale... Um, 
common language, common culture, common uh, labor markets, and so on. So there are a lot of good elements in the Anglo-Saxon economies. But I think um, through the last 20, 30 years, um, especially the Anglo-Saxon economies, went from a situation of over-regulation, uh, starting in a period just before the Regonomics, Thatcherism, from over-regulation to deregulation to self-regulation and non-regulation, in fact, in practice. And so especially for the financial sector, we have seen that not only in tax havens, not only in some specific uh, small countries, but also in, in the world economy as a whole, we have seen that there were some assets, there were some financial products which um, weren't um, uh, ruled by, by, by any law. And uh, so that, that's, uh, that's one of the problems we are facing now, the absence of uh, regulation, of rules. And so we have to keep the good elements of the um, Anglo-Saxon economy, the free market, the, uh, the scale. But we have to add some rules that have to govern our uh, financial economic activities. But I thought you said that applied to all the economies, actually. You know, the fact that you didn't have enough uh, uh, regulation in the banking system, the financial system, was universal. Yes, that's right. Uh, we had, for instance, uh, some European banks that invested a lot of money in the so-called uh, credit default swaps, in the uh, subprimes, and uh, so it, it was not a monopoly of the uh, Anglo-Saxon banks. Also, lots of Belgian banks, for instance, were exposed uh, in the United States uh, through investments in, in CDSs. Yeah. If we now look at that table that you came to at the end, the performance table comparing the mm -hmm. Rhineland, Anglo-Saxon and Scandinavian economies, you know, you went down to the level of CO2 emissions as yeah, well and, yeah, sure. and cutting uh, carbon emissions. Just tell us why you think the Rhineland model is such a good model. Because uh, from, from the beginning uh, of uh, policy modelling, um, in the Rhineland economies, the um, interest of the ecology is taken into account. Uh, there is a social correction. Um, the the decision-making process is uh, much more complicated and takes into account uh, other interests than only the, the benefit of the shareholders of companies. Take into account the social dimension, the uh, uh, sustainable, devel sustainable development uh, dimension. And this leads to... Um, less poverty, uh, this leads to uh, more distribution of the, of the uh, richness of the welfare, and this leads to better results in uh, the field of greenhouse gases and, and energy saving. So it would be a less selfish uh, economy, a more communal economy. What's wrong with neoliberalism? Well, I think Rhineland economies are more uh, stable, uh, react, uh, don't react so dy in a dynamic way like the Anglo-Saxon economies. There's an advantage of the Anglo-Saxon economies. When there is a recovery of the, uh, of the economy, then the Anglo-Saxon model reacts very uh, heavily. And, and so we have uh, growth figures which are uh, higher than in the Rhineland economy. I think also in the labor markets, m more people work in an Anglo-Saxon model than in uh, the Rhineland economies. But besides that, um, I think uh, people save more money in uh, Rhineland economies. They, uh, uh, they, they, there is a, a more uh, fair distribution of, uh, of, uh, of welfare. Yes, let's come in here, because you've said that less people work mm -hmm. actually in the Rhineland economy, but there's less poverty. So, so you know, it, it doesn't quite tie up. I'll repeat that question. What's, okay. what's wrong with neoliberalism? No, but the key factor there is that um, uh, the, the part of the, uh, the GDP that is dedicated to, uh, 
to the public authority, to social security system is uh, nearly 50% in Rhineland economies. It is in the Anglo-Saxon economies, uh, 35 to 37. That makes a whole of a difference, and the difference is in... Uh, in uh, the social security system, the health care, the uh, retirement system, pensions, the uh, allowances for people that lose their jobs. Uh, and so uh, that's the big difference, uh, the social security and the part of the, uh, the GDP that goes to uh, this kind of uh, public provisions. And so ju- just to end, finally, neoliberalism, do you think it's doomed? We are celebrating, I think... 30 years of Thatcherism in, in modern Britain uh, this year. But has neoliberalism had its day? I think that the pure neoliberalism, uh, which tends to uh, abolishing all rules and, and have a non-regulation of essential uh, activities in the economy, I think we, it has come to an end. Uh, it has shown its limits, and uh, I think we have to replace to... to to uh, take a new start and take into account the advantages of the liberal capitalism and neoliberal capitalism. Um, but starting from, to my point of view, the Rhineland economies, we have to improve the functioning also of the Anglo-Saxon economies. And we could do that just finally, you know, merging these models, having a look, comparing and contrasting, as you did today in the Cambridge Leadership uh, series of lectures at Judge Business School. That comparison would yield results for the Anglo-Saxon economies? I think it will improve situation for, uh, for even the ordinary citizen in the uh, Anglo-Saxon countries when uh, what, for instance, Mr. Obama is proposing now to uh, have more rules for the banking system, to uh, elaborate a Medicare system, medical aid and healthcare system in the United States. This is, uh, this is very good news for the average uh, American citizen. And in fact, Obama is a kind of Rhinelander. He's, uh, he's, uh, what he is proposing is to uh, add to the Anglo-Saxon system some crucial elements of our Rhineland economies. Well, I shall watch this space and indeed see if your ideas here today um, are mainstreamed into the Anglo-Saxon economies in the future. Thank you very much indeed for talking to me. It's been very interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you.